Skype. What's up, bitches? I fucked a Gorn. all you movie junkies and cinephiles it's time for the sls cast with your hosts matt and tim and welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls to episode 189 of the sls cast yes this is 189 which is of course the Matt is not here episode of the SLS cast. That is why you are not hearing Matt's fruitful voice explaining to you that 189, this episode, is actually the Skilled Independent Visa Subclass 189 episode of the SLS cast via www.border.gov.au. That's right, the Australian government. This visa, the Skilled Independent Visa, subclass 189, is for points-tested skilled workers who are not sponsored by an employer or family member or nominated by a state or territory government. It allows you to live and work in Australia as a permanent resident. Yes, for all of our Australian readers or readers, listeners out there, that is... For you, But yet, ladies and gentlemen, you're not only listening to my, uh, well, my ridiculousness, we are joined by the Midnight Movie Knights themselves, Miranda Janelle, and that fracking cat. Welcome, you two, to the delightful PBS special that you are now on. Greetings and salutations. Hello, Tim. How are you doing? Good. How are you two doing? Doing well. Well, at least I am. How about you, Kitty? How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good today. Pretty good today? Yeah, so far. Pretty good today. All you right. Were you doing well yesterday? No, I had to go back to work yesterday. You had to go back to work yesterday? Yeah. I finished uh, a few vacation days, so I had to go back to work. So, yeah. Did you spend your vacation days doing something fun, at least? Doing a lot of cleaning and playing with an iPad. Getting used to that, you know, for drawing. Yeah. Why? Wait. Why were you playing with an iPad? Because I wanted to draw something cool, and I had never used it before. What? Are you? Is she like hinting you're, at you're, something you're, to you? Like expand more on the iPad? I'm afraid that why? What? What's going because on? Uh, I'm afraid that you're making the assumption that everyone who listens to the SLS cast listens to our show and will have knowledge of why you were playing with the iPad and why that is a big deal. Oh, okay. I hadn't gotten into that yet, but yeah. Uh, it, I just got the iPad Pro last week. It's something I wanted to get for, you know, drawing purposes, and it seems to be doing the trick. It's it's very awesome. I just like using the pencil, and I mean, I, I have used a tablet, you know, to do show images for our show, and it's it's been working okay, but it's outdated. It's old, so I decided to step up the tools I use for drawing. And Kat, you are the artiste of the group, of the duo. Is that correct? Yeah, I guess you could call me an artist, I guess. I, I don't see it, but other people seem to like it. But for and, every episode that you guys put out, every week, you don't you do like a, a unique drawing pertaining to that episode? Yeah, usually. I, you know, I need to catch up on them, but yeah, ever since uh, 
I think the Xanadu episode before mm-hmm. we hit the century mark, I I started I drew that one and it just kind of I started doing ever since for every episode. Just something yeah, something related to what we talked about or the movie that we discussed and Or didn't discuss. Yeah, or didn't discuss. <laughs> make a parody kind of image. Just in case if there's somebody else listening to the SLS cast right now, the Midnight Movie Nights are indeed another not a rival movie podcast, but we are all a part of the same cadre of neighborhood friendly podcasts. That is, there, there's, a, there's a name for the group of podcasts that keep in touch. I forget. What, is, what am I thinking of? Do you two know? Uh, I, I believe that you are referencing the League of Weirdos. That is the first time I ever heard of the League of Weirdos. Then you are referencing Pottern Family. Pottern Family, yes. <laughs> has, <laughs> has the Pottern Family morphed into the League of Weirdos? Did you guys get slapped with a lawsuit from ABC? No, Pottern Family is actually much bigger than the League of Weirdos. The League of Weirdos is just a name that we've tossed out for... Um, our smaller subsection of uh, the Pottern family uh, that, you know, the the whole group of us, you know, pretty much if you were on episode 69 or 104 or any of uh, the big crossover episodes where we just get everyone, those were all members of the Pottern family. Do you so, guys I, still do the beer suds, Sunday suds? Suds Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done it in a while. Just, you know, out of time, you know, everyone else has been kind of busy lately. So Who doesn't have time to sit around with their good friends and drink beer on a Sunday, staring yeah, into a microphone, talking? What starts as, you know, just a, a one hour let's hang out very quickly becomes uh, six hours and we're all shit-faced. <laughs> so. Has it honestly gone on for six hours? Some of them longer. Oh, shit, man. And Matt's been part of them. Oh, I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Matt has texted me about, usually afterwards, like, hey, man, I got to tell you about this, and then he forgets. Yeah, you really got to join us one of these days. Well, we'll we'll do. So tell us more about the show. How's How's the Midnight Movie Nights podcast going? It's going well. You know, we're doing our thing. Yeah. Uh, Like usual, sometimes we talk about the movie, sometimes we go so far off on tangents that we never make our way back. Uh, That's pretty much about par for the course. Yeah, it's a a little different than, you know, what you and Matt do. I mean, you and Matt really go into depth about the movies, and we just talk about the movies we like, the movie we're watching that week, if we get to it, and basically what is going on in our lives. Well, and the fun thing about that, you guys will pick a movie or you'll talk about a particular movie. And often it's one that, I mean, on on a number of occasions, it's one that one of you has already seen and you want the other to watch, whether it be a good movie or uh, it seems like most of the time, if it's one that one of you have already seen, you're, you're passionate towards it. Like you have strong feelings towards that kind of movie. And so... That's kind of fun because you guys can talk about it for a good 30 minutes or, you know, 40 minutes, 20 minutes or however long. And when somebody, at least one of the two, is super passionate about it and really likes it, it's kind of fun listening to that enthusiasm that is being spewed upon 
that particular movie. Is there a favorite movie that the two of you have reviewed together? Uh, that we both liked? That, or? Yeah, not necessarily that both liked. Some of my favorite reviews with Matt are the ones where he just got so pissed off and we didn't speak to each other for about eight days. And those are great to listen to for some reason. Well, actually, I, I know the recall reason. But... One of those. <laughs> well, which one was it? Uh, it seemed like it was like two or three months ago, I think. It seemed like there was uh, some heated discussion between the two. I was like, okay, that happened. And... But everything, you know, I, I think y'all well, didn't disagree. Yeah, which one was that? Was it, is it during the comedy episode? Because you, I'm... You are talking I'm about the that... comedian that you saw? No, I was talking about you you and you and Matt. Oh, uh, oh just me and Matt. You... Oh. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, wait, when did we get so pissed off at each other that we didn't talk to each other for a few days? I mean, like, I remember that happening, but it had nothing to do with the podcast. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think there's been anything that we've gotten in heated discussion about that we got angry at each other. I mean, I've introduced movies to you that you didn't like, and, I mean, you watched it, and you said it was okay, but... You just didn't share the same kind of enthusiasm that I had for it to live and die in L.A. And <laughs> yeah, not a fan. <laughs> well, can't please everybody. Exactly. This is the Howard Stern episode, uh, portion of the show where we're just going to bring out both of your uh, your dark pasts from the Midnight That's movie not nights. a good idea. So we can, <laughs> we can work it out together. And if not, then it, g- it gives my show ratings, even though only Diana listens to the show. So maybe she'll listen to it twice. So that would double the ratings if Woo-hoo! there was such a thing as podcast ratings, I guess. But so since you are a guest on the show, what is the last a, a couple questions for the both of you? Last movie that you have seen in the movie theater? Ghostbusters. Yep, Ghostbusters. And did you see it in 3D or 2D? No, I we saw it in 2D, but I heard that it's worth going to see in 3D. Really? Yes. Apparently, some of the special effects are a little more specialer in 3D. Specialer? Yeah. Okay. How about before Ghostbusters? Have you seen... Oh, gosh. Before... That, it also includes adult movie theaters. Oh, we went to see Independence Day Resurgence. That was not worth it. Yeah. I would have been happier not seeing that one. It lived up to every expectation. It did live up to every expectation of it. Yeah, not... I didn't expect much. So Jeff Goldblum, there wasn't enough sexy Goldblum for you. There's never enough sexy Goldblum. <laughs> There's a great Jeff Goldblum picture I found online, and I can't remember if I posted it on Twitter or whatever social media outlet, but it's a picture of Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park where he's wounded and his shirt is unbuttoned, and his glistening mud-colored chest is mm-hmm. is out and about, and he's you know his knees up and his arms over his knee, and somebody superimposed <laughs> a still of when Sam Neill is hugging the uh, the sick. Is it a triceratops? Triceratops, yeah. Yeah. So there's a picture of him, you know, a, a, a cutout picture of him hugging the the sick triceratops. But instead of hugging the sick triceratops, it's a little bitty Sam Neill hugging the chest of a very large Jeff Goldblum with the shirt off. I've seen the gif of that. Oh yeah, it looks like he's actually breathing. 
Speaking of gifts, have you ever gotten that confused with a gilf before? Like, grandma, I'd like to frack? Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, like, I never used it in a sentence or, you know, was actually, you know, uh, you know that, that wasn't like the viable part of the conversation, the gilf thing. But back when gifts were, like, new-ish, which to me was not that long ago, every time I would see gif, I would, for some reason, put the L in there and read gilf. Mm, that was never a problem for me because I've been on the internet since its inception, and before that I was on BBSs, and so I actually learned milf and gilf and dilf and... All of that stuff after the fact. So, is I Dilf never had dog. Um, maybe that's what they mean by doggy style. Uh, no, I'm thinking dad. You know, I mean, dads <laughs> need some love too. Well, until this moment, I didn't know there was a, a thing such as gilf. <laughs> I knew of milf, yeah, and I think I had heard of dilf, but never gilf. Well, certainly well, in Anaheim, you have seen grandmothers that, in some way, are worthy of something. Are you kidding? There's grandmothers our age. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> There's almost great grandmothers our age. Maybe yours. Yeah. If there's great grandmothers my age, wow. <laughs> they start early in the small towns I'm from. Well, you know, if you're 13 and you're not married, you're already a you know old maid. Yeah. Spinsters. Going to live on Spinster Island. When you arrive off the boat, they hand you a cat. That's your starter cat. And your certificate of never being with anybody for the rest certificate of Certificate of celibacy. Well, that's the show. Uh, thanks for coming on the <laughs> SLS cast. Um, my guests were Miranda Janelle and that fracking cat. Uh, you can catch them at uh, gilfingallnight.com.org.gov. You can watch their VR 360 4K a gilf show on all vr headsets next week we are changing the name of the show to gilf it to me baby <laughs> dot 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 uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> are we ready for some newsage yeah let's seize the day go newsies ladies and gentlemen it's the news <laughs> off with news i know you guys have a couple pieces but since i have way too much i'm gonna go and knock out a couple of these and do chime in please do chime in here is an article here from brent lang movie ticket prices hit record high and it says this average ticket prices hit a new high during the second quarter of 2016 Topping out at $8.73, according to the National Association of Theater Owners, an exhibition lobbying firm. That trumps the previous record of $8.70, a pinnacle that the industry reached in the final fiscal quarter of 2015. The culprit is likely more premium format IMAX and 3D screenings for recent hits such as Captain America, Civil War, Finding Dory as well. These showings often carry surcharges. 
The latest numbers also represent a 1.7% hike from the first quarter, average of $8.58 a ticket, as well as a 1.4% increase from the year-ago average of $8.61. Of course, most moviegoers in major cities such as New York and Los Angeles, where prices routinely top 10 bucks, would see that average price as a relative bargain, but these figures are cold from national ticket prices, not only from urban areas, and all quotes there. So that's dumb because I am going to go see Star Trek Beyond this weekend. An 8 a.m. showing on either Saturday or Sunday morning, IMAX 3D, 1995. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> At 8 a.m. in 3D and in IMAX. D-Box, that would be $75.65. So what's the most... Yeah, but the D-Box, that's like the only location that you can get that at out here. That's like, what, one of four theaters in in the country that has it? No, D-Box is more popular. Uh, you might be thinking of the... That must be the other the technology. 4D, the 4D thing where they actually have wind and smells. and. Yeah, I thought that was D-Box. No, D-Box, your chair doesn't try to stab you in the middle of a movie. It just It's like moving, I guess. <laughs> Not worth it, Jim then. No. <laughs> if there it, isn't a chance of accidental homicide, I am not making that joke. <laughs> <laughs> See, my thing with the 4D thing is that I think it was for the last Planet of the Apes movie. And somebody was saying that in the movie, when somebody gets stabbed in the back, I think an ape stabs another ape in the back, not just figuratively, but it, it literally happens. Apparently, as the knife is going into the ape's back, you can actually feel something coming out of your seat, poking you in the back. And I've been in some really shitty movie theaters, not just out here, but everywhere, and I've had springs poking me in all sorts of places from the seat. Can we really trust these people, like, taking care of this sharp object, this, even if it's blunt in any way, like, protruding out of your seat into your spinal column? One wrong kind of screw-up, and you're skewered in the middle of, I don't know, maybe 50 Shades of Grey? I don't know if they showed that before you. Hey, now. That's not what they're going to be trying to put in your backside in Fifty Shades Grey, but uh, <laughs> you know, what if it? What if you were like leaning forward, you know, because you're really into this particular scene, and then oh, now I'm just going to lay back and relax, and so you're on, you know, you're already moving back as the chair is trying to stab you. Let, let we we should create some more fear, uncertainty, and doubt around this technology. Yeah, well, anything stabbing you in the spine—it doesn't sound like a good idea to me. It's just me. Yeah, well, I mean, until you try it, and maybe you become addicted to it. Maybe, maybe this is the new big tobacco, big movie theater, <laughs> big big four D. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only thing I've ever experienced like this is uh, when I went to Vegas years ago, and they had the the Borg invasion. I don't know if any of you, but it had you know nerd. No, <laughs> but you you went in and you were experiencing a. You know, like you were a part of this and you know the seats moved and there was like mist of air and i guess that was the only kind of that's what these four well, not 4d but these d-box theaters are because i haven't been to one uh well uh well the d-box your chair just kind of vibrates and tilts from side to side and sometimes it's worth it the 4d one which is 
uh, really the only one out here that I know of is in LA Live, the Regal Theater there mm-hmm. in downtown. And there you're in a room. Um, I don't know how many of these seats are in it, but your seat actually like really fucking moves. And you have a smoke machine or fog machine. If it's like a rainy scene or whatever, you have like misters. Uh, you have uh, drastic temperature changes, either high temps for hot scenes or steamy scenes or fire scenes and low temperatures for cold scenes. It would suck going to see something like Happy Feet and actually it feeling like you're in the middle of the fucking Arctic. I don't know if that Or like really the bathroom enhance. at work. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so the technology that you're describing basically sounds to me like an upgraded Captain EO experience yes only slightly upgraded though i mean we had this stuff 30 years ago that is true uh maybe not cardboard 3d glasses don't knock cardboard glasses i don't for captain eo it's great it's 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 definitely the nostalgia factor especially since they use the same 35 or 70 millimeter piece of film that they've been using since 19 when did it come out 80 85 84 85 (sighs) I don't know why I want to say 83. 83? Yeah. But, I mean, I wasn't really at an age where I could actually remember that. It was just something is tripping in my mind saying 83. Probably wrong. Okay, so moving on. You two, are you both fans of Futurama, the cartoon? Uh, Watched it when it was first out, but it was one of those I didn't have to catch every single episode, you know, so there's significant gaps. I enjoyed it when I watched it. You did? I didn't watch, you know, I wasn't, I had to see it every week kind of thing, but yeah, Yeah. I'll watch it if I see it on. Well, good news to all you Futurama fans out there, and if you guys are able to look this up, Right now, you got to see some pictures. Look up uh, Fan-O-Rama, the Futurama fan film. Uh, This is an article here. This live-action Futurama fan film is both incredibly impressive and creepy. Uh, This is from io9.com, written by Brian Menegas. And it says this. Let's begin with some much-deserved kudos. Fan-O-Rama, this fan-made Futurama flick, is just mind-boggling in its accuracy. The newly released trailer does its level best to capture the unusual characters, locations, and pastel palette of Matt Groening's beloved show. Even the show's character designs have been brought to life, and that's, unfortunately, the problem. While it's pretty easy to put a Cyclops pilot or barely medically trained lobster man in animation, putting those same features onto flesh and blood humans is a marvelously efficient route to the uncanny valley. Leela's eye is extremely off-putting, while Professor Farnsworth is a nightmare to behold in real life. Even Fry, Hermes, and Amy, who as best as I recall are relatively ordinary humans, well, look off, (laughs) putty-like. Indol quotes there. You can read the rest of that article again from io9.com. This live-action Futurama fan film is both incredibly impressive and creepy. So, uh, how about that for the Uncanny Valley guys? Uh, I could definitely see uh, Zoidberg being uh, extremely disturbing. Even Bender, how he's just kind of... I don't know if there's a picture of Bender on there or not, but if you watch the trailer, 
they have the voice, a guy, you know, different guy doing the voice. But really, his eyes just move from side to side. So he looks like a really creepy robotic molester of some sort. Or a molester inside a robot suit looking to molest. Yeah, he, he looks a little creepy. Yeah. But I think Farnsworth is what takes the cake. He definitely looks like an old grandfather who has been in the grave for, uh, you know, a couple years, was dug up, and makeup was put on him. Some heavy foundation. <laughs> I'll have to watch this trailer later, then. You should. He looks like a muffin that was left in the oven for way too long. What kind of muffin? Blueberry? Uh, Poppy I, seed? I don't know. Is there a flesh-colored Bran? muffin? Banana nut? Yeah. Two nuts through the eyes. You got yourself a deal. <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a visual. <laughs> a muffin that was left in the oven for too long. <laughs> and then I'm going to do one more piece, uh, and then we'll get to your news, and I'll knock out some more news. Uh, this is pertaining to Star Trek. I was wanting to save it for next week, but uh, who knows? This might be old news by next week. Young Anton Yelchin, who played Chekhov in the Star Trek reboot movies. Among other roles, he's been in uh, so many other films. A couple, a month or so ago when he did pass away, uh, I was reading an article. This year alone, he still has five or six movies that are supposed to be coming out between this year and next year. So, very talented guy. And so, J.J. Abrams was asked whether or not they were going to recast the role of Chekhov, uh, this article, J.J. Abrams, Star Trek won't replace Anton Yelchin. And it says this. With the imminent release of Star Trek Beyond, the third of the J.J. Abrams era of Trek films, a fourth is already 100% yes, says producer Abrams. But what happens to the character of Chekhov following the freakish auto mishap that killed the 27-year-old actor a month ago. In an exclusive interview with Post Media Network, Abrams said that the filmmakers have begun talks on dealing with his loss in the script, but one thing that is certain is that Chekhov will not be recast, saying, quote, I would say there's no replacing him. There's no recasting. I can't possibly imagine that. I mean, Anton deserves better, end quote, Abrams said. In Star Trek Beyond, directed by Justin Lin, Yelchin's character gets his most screen time thus far as an encounter with a malevolent alien swarm as that alien swarm forces the Enterprise crew uh, to abandon ship and survive on a planet in small teams. Chekhov and Captain Kirk among them. Uh, I'll just end that article there. Uh, and Oh, and that article was written by Jim Slotek. What do you think? It's not like... It's weird. Like, other people have played, or one other actor has played uh, Chekhov in movies and in TV shows. And he is not a main character, but he is a much-loved character. Probably my favorite character. Yeah, he's a great character. And especially in in the original TV shows, I just love his demeanor and how, at the time, in the 60s, he was considered as a sex symbol. (laughs) it was great but he is not a main character he is loved by many and he is a part of the original crew i just don't understand why you depends on how you say that well that wasn't in the first season you're right you're you're right but i mean he has been around since the second season which 
you know, I mean, he's still been in, what, 60-some-odd episodes. Plus the seven seven movies he was in. He was in Generations for a bit also, I guess. But why why not cast him? Why not why not recast him? He is a popular character. What do you guys think? Do you want to take this, Kitty? Maybe not. If the fourth one is going to be the final one that they're going to do of this, then maybe just kind of uh, say he's gone to do something else. I don't know. I don't know how you can write him out. You know, without you know, saying what happened. I don't. That's a tough one because yeah, he's not the biggest part of the crew, but he is part of the crew that everyone knows. He might as well be one of the major characters, even if he is just kind of a little bit in the background. Well, he grew into one of the major characters. Yeah. He did, he certainly didn't start that way, but as as time progressed, he grew into one of the core characters. Uh, I am extremely conflicted about Star Trek right now. Uh, much for the same reason that Matt is boycotting it. Um. I have lost all desire to go see Beyond. No, I can't say that. I have lost most of my desire to go see Beyond. And the only thing that is really giving me any conflict whatsoever is the fact that it is one of Anton Yelchin's last movies. But I have no desire to give CBS or Paramount uh, any of my money. Really? So you're on the bandwagon also? Yes. Uh, but Beyond looks so good, though. The ultimate temptation. Well, maybe not the ultimate temptation. Well, depending on who you are, it could be the ultimate temptation. 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 Jesus. Temptation. I like temptation. <laughs> Go and see the movie. Um, I want to, yet I don't want to for the same reasons. I'm kind of on the I, same boat. With the same starship, I guess. I do want to see it, especially you know, with uh, Sofia Butella being in it. I just oh, love watching her move. <laughs> she's just so great. Like she's my favorite part of uh, the Kingsman. Yeah. Um, oh, she's she, the one with the razor legs. Yes. Yeah. She she hits that same like just that same love that I have for uh, Summer Glau. I love seeing dancers do action sequences because it it just looks so awesome and it's graceful at the same time. It's phenomenal. Uh, And I loved the characteristic uh, that that she uh, brought in The Kingsman. I haven't really seen a lot of her her work, so I'm primarily basing it on on, uh, Kingsman. But she, she made an impression. And so I, I I do want to see beyond for her as well, and also to you know to follow the crew because I really enjoyed uh, the reboot. I like uh, the fact that they created an alternate timeline so they could you know basically you know tabula rasa, and <laughs> just stumbled over that one. Uh, <laughs> you know I I like that whole idea and. and I really enjoyed Into Darkness. Yeah. Have you heard so Matt's I'm, review of Into Darkness? I'm sure I have. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things like I enjoyed it to the point where there is no reasoning with me. I have my opinions and I know that there were issues with that movie. I don't care. I effing love it. 
Yeah, you can't hate a movie completely when it has Benedict Cumberbatch in it. In my opinion, at least. Or Carl Urban, or Zoe Saldana, you know, uh, Zachary Quinto, love him. I've met him multiple times. Really? Yes, uh, a particular person that I have a particular relationship with worked on Heroes. (sighs) And I would come out during the summertime, uh, I think two or three different summers, I came out, uh, when I came out, he was working on Heroes, and I got to be in it. I was in the first, or I think I was in, I'm in the first episode, and you can see me. And I got to meet all those guys, and it was so cool. It's Yeah, it was pretty neat. It was right, it was a couple years before he did the first Star Trek, so, well, I guess multiple, more than a couple years, a few years, because that was like 2006, 2007, yeah, the first Star Trek came out in 2009. Yeah, 2009. So, yeah, he's a good guy. He's cool. Awesome. Yeah. So what is your oh, news? Oh, and speaking of, oh. speaking of uh, uh, MILFs, GILFs, and DILFs, and, and whatever extra letter, you know, we got John Cho also. Oh, that's true. Oh, so what do you think about the Sulu, uh, not the Sulu, the George Takei, uh, I, don't, I, I don't want to call it a feud, but I guess since we're on the, the topic, I guess, we're talking about Star Trek. But as we all know, that uh, Simon Pegg came out and said that they wrote Sulu as being gay. Or George Takei came out, and he made a brief statement saying that he didn't really think it was a good idea because of uh, Roddenberry's original idea. And he felt it would have been better if they just introduced a new character who was gay instead of making Sulu the gay character. And so there was kind of like dialogue going back and forth, you know, I guess a tweet, not a tweet, they call it a tweet war, a tweeter twat war or whatever. But it really wasn't. George, I, I mean, do you like George Takei? I mean, he writes very nicely. He's an elegant writer and he can explain things in a very lovely way to where he could say probably the meanest things in context, but how he's doing it. You just immediately forgive him. But then he released another statement, a longer statement, I think yesterday or so on his Facebook, uh, going into more detail why he felt the way he did. And he loved, uh, he likes the idea. He loves the idea and he appreciates the idea, but he does strongly feel that it should have been a different character. Do you have any concerns with that or do you have any input regarding that? I think they tried it once before in Next um, Next Generation, the, the first Contact movie. Do you remember Ensign Hawk? Uh, I'm trying to remember who who played him, but he supposedly was, but it's just something that they decided not to write in as. But, you know, it did follow up in one of the books that, yeah, he was he was gay, but they just, I guess at the time, they just didn't want to add that in. Yeah. But with Sulu, I, I don't know. It just, it, I don't think they're going to make a, big deal of it maybe a mention and i don't think anybody would really care at this point yeah i think i think that's the that's the thing is that i don't really think there's really any point to you know for people i I mean because it's not it's i mean if it's just the idea of it it totally works and it's not like they're gonna be you know he's gonna be going to he's not gonna be courting anybody you know they're they're not gonna do a courting montage you know like spock and ahura in the last one but we're talking about having, you know, the entire universe opened up. Um, 
you know, it's awfully species and gender specific to make Sulu a gay man. Don't you think, you know, in, in the future, um, there's other storylines that, that could be explored. You know, I mean, you can have true pansexuality. And so why, why pigeonhole a, a single character in what seems to be a tribute to the actor who originally played him, uh, especially if he's, you know, coming back with a, uh, uh, you know, less than, uh, excited reaction or humbling reaction. Um, I don't know. Honestly, it's not something I haven't, or I haven't really given it any thought. Um, cause, uh, again, I haven't ever since CBS released the fan guidelines, I haven't really for, uh, fan films. Uh, I haven't really been paying attention to any of the Star Trek news. I think mainly it was just, a kind of blown up because, you know, he just wasn't completely on board with it. I mean, it's okay. And it just, I think that's where it just kind of blew up was just, he didn't agree with it right away. And everyone was like, Oh, why, why, why? And he just had his opinion on it. I think that's it. Yeah. He was flattered about it and it just, he doesn't, he doesn't think it should be like a major thing, I guess. Yeah. And I, I can agree with that. It, and I don't think it will be, ultimately. It's, it'll just be a mention of something, and then something's going to blow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the movie's supposed to be fast-paced, you know, all-out action, and very much resembling uh, 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 the original series and its story elements in hell. And also the camaraderie between everybody. It's supposed to do a better job at uh, at showing that off as well. Um so cool, yeah. So uh, I know well, you have. Can some... I throw one more thing in there? Oh yeah, please. I mean, uh, representation, you know, definitely does matter, and uh, uh, having it be explicit with a major character, that's great. But it just seems like th- this is, you know, it's something that should have been moved past by the timeline that they're working with. And I think that's my final thought on it. What's up, bitches? Or or just bitch if it's just you. And welcome, Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, the Matt Quintoplet is here. He is here joining the show a little early, just in time, to get into a short, rousing discussion over Miranda Janelle's specific, specific piece of news that she would like to share with us. Miranda, what is it? <laughs> well, I was on Twitter last night, and... Uh... A funny thing happens when when you pay attention to social media. You find out the crap that's going on in the world. And a lot of the time, it can make you really, really frustrated. And yesterday, some internet trolls, I I, I don't want to mention the person's name because I don't want to give him any uh, publicity. But um, But even if it's for your listener. um, (laughs) You can make up a name. Buckqueef is is a good one. Or <laughs> uh senior douche nozzle poopy pants. Uh <laughs> uh was just one of many people. Um but but this person is a a a very well known uh troll um 
that often uh, goes after women. Uh, he and countless other people started attacking Leslie Jones. Um, I'm making all sorts of uh, comments and inappropriate racial remarks, and uh, she went to town uh, exposing them, reporting them. She was getting a whole bunch of people um, uh, fired up on Twitter. Um, you know, I was part of it. I was going through every single, you know, I just basically had a, a running list of uh, anyone mentioning her. And if I saw anything I didn't like, you know, just, yeah, any racial, you know, racial comments. Um, or it's one thing to say that you don't like a movie. It's It's another to, you know, come after uh, one of the stars and 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 make highly highly inappropriate just toxic comments about them so um, I was joining in uh, and and uh, reporting people that were saying nasty things and and just tweeting as as much as I could because something wonderful happened at the you know at the same time that she was enduring all of this this hatred and these targeted attacks, people showed up in droves to to uh, fight back against all of the hate and fought back with love. It was, you know, we're watching some of the worst toxic behavior of, of people and it was nice to see a community rally behind her but at the same time, it's completely dwarfed by the fact that she she's crushed. And it, it just it, it, no one should have to endure that. It's ridiculous. We should have moved past this. It should be like sexuality in Star Trek. We shouldn't have to deal with it. I don't know. Apparently, Leslie Jones has has you know left Twitter uh, because of this because it went on for hours, and I, I don't personally know what. Twitter could have done to protect against it, but it, when there's a targeted attack uh, against a person on their platform, they should do more. They need to do more. This is a problem that they need to solve. And you know, I'm while I may work in the industry, I don't you know fully comprehend all of the industries you know, issues, especially at the massive global scale that Twitter is operating at. Um, they, they've got their work cut out for them, but it's work that they need to do. They need to be able to shut down targeted harassment. It's, it's just disappointing that crap like this is still going on. Matt, wine breath. George Stramuner breath. What do you have to say about this? Well, first of all, way to fucking bring my buzz down. I mean, seriously. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I guess jumping in a little bit early uh, in re- in regards to the movie review. Um, I think this is. Um, I, I think it really goes back to what public perception is in regards to the way people are viewed based on the characters they play, not as the humans and the people that they are. Uh, That does not justify it in any way, shape, or form. But when you think back to that just 
terrible, terrible first Ghostbusters trailer. And all you saw of Leslie Jones was just this, you know, completely over the top stereotype that people are already, we, you know, as much as much as we've had an advancement in the world today, we still clearly have, you know, a ways to go. And when you have, when, when that's what's portrayed as what's going to be, and then when you actually go and you see just exactly this particular character from this film, and this is just one big example, and of course, because of the movie itself, it's even more in the spotlight. So that's the only reason I use this as an example. It's not what the trailer made it out to be. Her not character is actually really a lot more nuanced than I thought it was going to be. Now, that, you know, that aside, we can talk more about the the stuff for the movie later, but um, you get to see the human side of the character, not just the stuff that's supposed to be funny that tries to sell the movie. And when you see that in, in the light of how she's following that, it shows what kind of a person she is you get little glimpses from that character to probably things that might translate in real life and you realize that much as a character can be more complex than what you first would think people are more complex than what you think and even when you're dealing with people who do characters and who are comics and who have a you know particular persona that's not necessarily who they are in life and people really, really got to get that through their head. And unfortunately, you know, trolls feed on the fact that nobody's going to, or virtually no one is going to really look past that. And they're just going to immediately go and attack the denigration or be upset by said denigration instead of um, focusing on at least what, Miranda noticed and witnessed the people who took up for it and said, Hey, no, this is not acceptable. And this is something that needs to change. And this is why you guys are asshats. So on the one hand, I totally can see how these things kind of feed on themselves, even when they're negative and they shouldn't be. But I'm glad that there was someone like Miranda who was there to actually witness the opposite side of that. And even in our wonderfully limited format, you know, provide an avenue to show, hey, that wasn't acceptable. People stood up for her. People said this is not, you know, what's going to happen. This will not stand. And, well, by God, good on you for being there, Miranda. And I'm glad you were able to share it. That's all I got. That was pretty damn well said, if you ask me. That's a, that's pretty damn good. I've been drinking since you know eleven forty five this morning. So, <laughs> and, you know, and, and I guess to cap this off uh, or the news off, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, it's absolutely horrible. Unfortunately, people are just assholes. That's why they always say never read your. If you put out a YouTube video, never read your YouTube comments. My grandfather was a singer. He was a tenor, and he spent most of his life traveling all over the world doing concerts. And sometime in like the late '90s, he did a concert at NASA, and at the and it was for it was some banquet for the uh, for the astronauts and whatnot. So he performed a set of Fourth of July songs. So he did "God Bless America." I mean, he did 
a number of very patriotic American songs. Once YouTube started becoming popular, he thought, well, I want more people to come to my site and check out my stuff. Why don't I post some of my uh, videos on YouTube? So he was looking at what he had, uh, what, you know, he didn't want to ruin any copyright, you know, infringe on any copyright laws or anything like that. So he uh, was able to use the video that he recorded when doing the patriotic Fourth of July songs. And he recorded, and when he put it on, of course, there were people saying that it was great. He lo- they loved hearing him perform. Uh, he was a tenor, but in some but he had he had a very unique way of inflating his vibrato whenever he would sing, and so it made for a very unique sound. And people like it, and people don't like it. But when people hear something or see something that's different from what they considered to be normal or considered to be in their realm of entertainment of their, you know, satisfactory realm of entertainment, I guess they will make it heard. And that's what happened with my grandfather. That's what happened with Leslie Jones. That's what happened. I mean, that's happened with Melissa McCarthy, not just with Ghostbusters, but for a number of things, she's kind of got chat on. And I'm not a big fan of a lot of these people, but I would never go out of my way to make it known You know, especially saying something so hurtful. And unfortunately, it seems like we live in that time or in a time where, you know, you just have to overlook it. And by God, if the Kardashians can do it, we can do it too. Because I can't imagine the hell that they receive on a daily basis. (laughs) So yeah, so I, I guess that's the news, Matt. I'm glad you were here. Tell us, where have you been uh, hanging out? I know you're at Chateau Saint-Michel. Uh, you were taking your children on a marijuana trip, uh, visit all the pot <laughs> states, uh, and now you took them to a vineyard. So were they really high and they wanted to taste some grapes, or what's going on there? Well, let's see. First of all, uh, I, I actually had my sister watch the kids today. So it was uh, me and my lovely wife and my mom and my stepdad, and we all went out to Chateau Saint-Michel and enjoyed a lovely tour and many tastes of wine, many many tastes of wine. We went and saw, we went and uh, drove straight through to Colorado, and we went to um, Delta, Colorado, which is in western Colorado, just on the other side of the Rockies. And then we continued on and made it all the way here to the Puyallup area of Washington, uh, Washington State. And uh, we got here Saturday, late Saturday afternoon, and, well, we've just been having a nice time, relaxing. Okay. It's July, and tonight is, what, the 19th or something? I'm kind of lost on the days. I just knew it was Tuesday, and it was 8.45, and I was supposed to show up. So um, it's, like, literally outside right now. It's, like, 68 degrees. Fucking awesome. We're just sitting out, drinking beer, and I have been consuming that while smoking cigars in the back and on the veranda. So we've been doing that like every day, beer drinking and grilling and hanging out with the fam. And yeah, it's been lots of fun. Well, good. Well, we are glad to have you back on the show. But we must move on to the news because 
uh, Miranda and the cat only have a few more minutes, and I know Miranda would like to say a couple things about Ghostbusters. So we will now move on to the movie. <laughs> first movie, actually the only movie for this week, is the 2016 reboot of Ghostbusters, starring Leslie Jones, uh, Kate McKinnon, uh, Melissa McCarthy, uh, Kristen Wiig, and a lot of other people. And so, you know, four people get together. Matt, we all know the story of Ghostbusters. I'm sure Matt has a spiel set up to go. But before we get there, Miranda, what did you think of Ghostbusters? It shattered my expectations. I went in trusting uh, Paul Feig and uh, Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. Um, I've enjoyed their work in the past. It seemed like I was the perfect target audience for this. Um but being a major fan of the original, I'm always leery of remakes and reboots. Uh, but this shattered my expectations. I absolutely loved uh, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones, uh, their additions, uh, or, or what they brought. Their, their characters were my favorite. Uh, uh, especially Holtzman when she's you know in, in in her battle scene when when she pulls out her toys, that was just pure awesome. <laughs> yeah, Holtzman is Kate McKinnon, the I guess the Egon Spangler type of character. If we were going to draw some comparisons mm-hmm. to the original movie, she is the the nerdy scientist more forward than egon so you are a fan of paul feig therefore uh, you're a, a i guess a bridesmaids fan and a the heat fan and mm-hmm. spy. spy yeah just run down the checklist uh, it's probably going to be a yes in every single one of them for me and so were you okay with ghostbusters being very much like those movies uh yeah, I was. Um it the the humor on um, the humor worked a lot like in in the same way it does with a lot of Paul Feig or is it Feig or Feig? I've, I think uh he is Feig, the other one no is one, Feige. I thought yeah, it was no, Feige. no one really seems to know Seriously. the proper way to I pronounce thought, I thought it was Feige. Comic book girl uh 19. I thought I heard her say Feige, and I would trust her pronunciation. Well, is that, I, I hear is that Marvel like... Feige, or is it this Feige? See, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Just, just have an opinion. After what, the, the Greek yogurt? Yeah, why not? All right. Cream Freeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul F. We'll just call him Paul F. Yeah. Paul F., yeah, uh, Love his, love his work. So yeah, just run down run down the list, check them all off. Um, but the the humor in this it, it it started off very much so in the same vein, and I was frankly really really annoyed uh, with Aaron Gilbert at first, uh, Kristen Wiig's character. 
Um, it just it, it seemed more uh, more of the same, and I was just kind of rolling my eyes, you know, because it didn't feel like it was bringing anything original at first. Uh, but the the structure of the movie it just kept building and building and building and by the end of the movie uh i was just gut busting laughing and that's that's the way it usually ends up working with a paul f movie um and i think that's probably why the trailer was so bad because you're trying to take these little snippets of the humor and you're not getting the full context of the entire movie and so you just have these awkwardly placed uh, snippets of the humor and it hasn't had that chance to to really build the momentum uh, throughout the rest of the film. Um, so it ultimately ended up really, really working for me. Um, and and uh, Patty, uh, Leslie Jones's character, I loved the fact that she kind of had a, a what was the name of the guy in uh, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance? Uh, the the Samuel guy who Jackson? knew Jackson? No, 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 no not Samuel L. Jackson. Um, no, the guy who knew uh, the twenty first president. He was oh Chester A. Arthur. You know the the guy who knew everything about New York. Oh, oh the dump truck driver. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there 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 was there was an at like. What I loved about his character, uh, it seemed to be integrated into the character of Patty, and she owned it. And it was the most awesome. uh, It it made me really, really love her character because the, the, the thing I, one of the things I hated about the first trailer was how it portrayed her. And, I they they could have done so much better if they if they started like integrating um you know her humorous moments while she was dropping uh knowledge bombs about the city of New York that I I I think the tr- the trailer itself would have had a totally different tone and it it was a really really awesome aspect to her character. <laughs> I got to give the cat a, a chance to talk cuz we're running out of time. I would basically say about the same thing. Uh I went in Fully expecting to hate it, and I did want to watch it. I've been saying that I just I wanted to see it just because I wanted to see the train wreck that it was going to be, and I was surprised. I did start laughing, and I started to like it. And when all was said and done, I was like, I would watch that again. <laughs> I do have some issues with it. I really didn't like the way Chris Hemsworth was portrayed in this. I, I get it. I understand why I think, but I just I really didn't like it. It seemed, I'm not sure what the word would be, really. Double just, standard? It was, yeah. There you go. Because uh, Janine was nothing like this. No. She, was, she wasn't overly stupid like, like uh, Hemsworth was in there. She was that, sassy. She wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can understand not. She was a smart woman who didn't put up with shit. Yeah. 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 What do you want? <laughs> but. I just I really didn't like how he was portrayed in this. Yeah, he I'd agree be, with that. That's that's one of the, that's what was bugging me so much at first. You know, just from the moment that he stepped in, you know, it doesn't bug me that it was a total indictment of uh, hipsters. <laughs> but 
So while we uh, while we have you guys on here, one question I want to ask you is about the villain. A lot of people online are saying that oh, they're just saying that they're just basically shitting on geeks and nerds. And basically saying a big uh, F you to the fan base. A lot of people are, are, are referencing whenever they're shooting the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and the or no 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 the Ghostbusters demon in the in the balls in the groin. <laughs> so it's basically yeah. a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, they're basically just saying fuck you to the property and with a bad guy being a you know, a nerd fanboy type of guy, that's kind of a play on what they think of nerds. I don't know. It's very interesting stuff. I didn't know if uh, you kind of felt the same way in any way or. I certainly I didn't. Yeah. Um, and in fact, I even giggled when you brought up uh, the Stay Puff Marshmallow. Or no, it wasn't Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, but. It's, it was uh, Ghosty, the Ghostbusters. Yeah. Symbol, whatever. Yeah. When, when, when they had the crotch shot that that made me cackle with insane glee it's, it's like i said the the humor just kept rolling and building uh building up its momentum and frankly we had a fantastic theater experience it was the perfect place to go with a, with how they structured the humor it was obvious at that point that they were going to do that but the fact that they did they they got a quick joke out of it <laughs> just rolled with it i loved it okay Still didn't see the humor in it, but okay. <laughs> I'm I'm with you, Kitty. Go with that kind of low hanging fruit humor, but all right. <laughs> no, nice, no nice there was fun. no hanging was a, fruit. Was it was fun. ghosty. Ghosty uh, McFruit balls. They, they, it wasn't hanging. It was floating. It was ghosty low floating fruit. fruit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cameos! Holy crap! The cameos were perfect. Oh, I hated them. I hated every single cameo. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, come on. Seriously, I thought the cameos were a nice touch, especially the bust of Harold Ramis at the beginning. Um, Which like I at missed. The very, oh, yes. Very beginning. When the they cut out one of the dead of guys. Was good. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I just thought it was a very nice touch that, you know, and of course the dedication of the film to him. Uh, oh, yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a nice touch. Um, I thought I thought Murray was a little much, but um, no, I thought Sigourney Weaver was good. Um, I thought Annie Potts was good. Ernie Hudson was great. Dan Aykroyd was definitely my favorite of all of them. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it really kind of hurt my heart a little bit that Moranis did not show up because clearly, with the way that they did the cameos, you know, at twenty seconds or less. Um, there was, I mean, he, he had to have said no. And I think that's a bummer. So, oh, well, what are you gonna do? Well, he retired and he, he, retired. he, he didn't understand the reason. That is, that is a huge misnomer. He did not retire. He's never retired. He just is because he was really smart with his money. After his wife passed away, he stayed, he took a huge step back to take care of his kids. Um, but clearly that was 20 years ago. Um, and now he does, uh, limited stage work and very, very little bit of, well, he does music um, also. Yeah. And it, yeah, he does do music, lots of, uh, kitsch music, um, stuff that's very much in the Jewish vein. And 
he just like he doesn't want to be more than one day away from home he doesn't want to travel further than like a day away from his house either so i mean it's like it would have been so easy to accommodate the things that he would would have needed especially since he's like uh, lives in upstate new york um that I, i mean he said no and i just think it's a real bummer because um clearly with the way that they did the cameos uh, with all of these characters having literally nothing to do in any way, shape, or form with their previous incarnations of character in the other movie, um, it would have been so easy for him to just show up. I mean, even I, mean, I don't care. Just a pan and scan of uh, you know of him sitting and ordering food at a restaurant would have been fine. I don't awesome. you know, but yeah. So and actually, being a barista at Starbucks would have been the perfect cameo for him. Honestly, I think would have been an amazing cameo would him to have been a homeless man uh, banging on the window next to Aaron when she's trying to get the marriage. <laughs> it would have just been perfect, and then it would have moved on. So, I, I, yeah, but. unfortunately, uh, we got to head out. But I uh, wanted to thank you guys for having us. Thank you so much for yeah. I, hey, I I above all appreciate y'all filling in for me. So thank you. Uh, maybe you should listen to it first. Yeah, you might want to listen to it first. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't get we've been recording for five and a half hours, and <laughs> it's yeah. all—it's all been about Jewish customs and sex dolls. Outstanding. Uh, hey, I've got a whole lot of driving in front of me uh, this weekend, so I'm sure I'll have plenty of time to listen to a five and a half hour uh, rendition of the show. So it'll be the equivalent of having a boner for ten hours, and it's not fun. No, anything more than four hours, you're supposed to go to the doctor. And for God's sake, don't take more than one of those pills. Take care, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Later. <laughs> and that was the Midnight Movie Nights. At Midnight Movie Nights with a K. With a K. Uh, you can see they're on Stitcher. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah, at Movie Nights Pod, I guess, for Twitter. Yeah. And then they're on Stitcher. And then, of course, MidnightMovieNights.com. They're on iTunes. They're on like everything. If it's a podcastable thing, they're they're on it. So, all right. So that leaves us. Unfortunately, while I certainly stand by what I said in terms of the expansion, uh, and that it was nice that there was more of expansion in Leslie Jones's character of Patty, um, I, I and and while I certainly can understand people who have enjoyed Bridesmaids and whatever, also I enjoyed the Heat. I know that uh, Tim did not as much. I also enjoyed Spy uh, more than Tim did. But all of that stops. So, Miranda, when you listen to this, I apologize that we were not able to get into this a little bit more. Um, But I did not like this movie as much as uh, Miranda or Kitty did. Now... That's not to say that I hated it either or that it's a terrible movie because to say that would be unfair. However, the movie relies too much on the subtle leanings of writing that people enjoyed from Bridesmaids, which for me fell flat even in Bridesmaids. Now, clearly, having enjoyed other movies in this vein, uh, I was hoping to get more out of it once I realized how the timing was going to work and the way that they were going to use these characterizations, especially Abby and Aaron, which is Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig, uh, respectively, uh, and how they were supposed to kind of 
reconnect and bounce back together. But instead, this whole huge hinging plot point that actually drives the entire plot forward so that there's a reason for the Ghostbusters to exist, it it's just it was not a hook. It was completely glossed over. And for me, that's the writing on the whole. Everything is glossed over. Jokes are glossed over. The reason for where, the reason for the where and the why of the characters and the how of their success completely glossed over. Um, it works in terms of those little subtle kinds of things that are kind of like, huh, some people that's, some people, uh, you know, really enjoy that style, but at the end of the day, there's no meat to that kind of comedy, which means it's not really super ha funny. And I, for one, did not laugh uh, for any of those jokes. The only thing that I actually laughed at was the introduction of Kevin, played by uh, Chris Hemsworth, of course. Now, the thing is, though, is that I only laughed during his interview scene because it was so completely ludicrous that it caught me off guard and was just, I mean, hilarious. I completely, even now thinking back on it, it still brings a smile to my face, but beyond that interview when, okay, we've established how stupid Kevin is. Um, it's not funny anymore because they don't create anything really, funny to build off of they just use the same gag literally the phone answering the phone they use that same gag for the rest of the film and then his interview which sets up the character is again once more just a quickly glossed over plot point that provides something for the finale of the film and his compare his uh, character is completely useless i mean the only reason why his character is there for I mean, if you've seen the trailer, or if you haven't seen the trailer, spoiler, but he gets possessed at the end, right. randomly, it's, and exactly for and, no reason. And the thing is, though, is that, um, and and he also presents for me the clearest example of the double standard that I referred to earlier when Kitty had mentioned something, and and this is why I and this this docks it a half a star. I'm sorry, a quarter of a star for me. Um, there are several small lines that are done and several things that are done that if the shoe were on the other foot, people would cry foul. And we have the pretty bombshell, uh, secretary. That's a complete ditz. But the fact that it's a guy is funny. Now, while I certainly bought in for the interview, just because anybody that completely stupid would be hilarious that it stops there and they make complete comments about that. Even so you have Aaron's character played by Kristen Wiig, who's clearly taken with him because he's eye candy and everything like that. And so that in and of itself would have been okay. And some people like, uh, they do write in a little bit where Abby again, played by Melissa McCarthy's like, are you serious? This guy really, but even she ends up having lines like, you know, Oh, we need to go save our receptionist. We'll never find another one that good looking. It's it's things like that, that it's like, guys, after everything that's been said about the people who would detract against this movie solely based on uh, the, the flimsy excuse of sexism and stuff, uh, which is not acceptable, 
you then make these kinds of jokes and you have these kinds of things and expect it to be taken seriously within the context of the film. Also, you have, again, the crotch shot of the ghost, um, of the ghost monster. Now, I mean, in terms of just sheer, uh, you know, anybody getting kicked in the crotch is funny, a la 30 fucking years of America's Funniest Home Videos, sure, everybody thinks of shot to the crotch is funny. But if it were done in uh, in a, again, stereotypically sexist way against a woman or a female bad guy, uh, as it were, or a female baddie, to be clear, there would have been, and I think rightfully so, depending on the context, there would have been, again, cries, you know, cries of foul play. And yet, so many people would have laughed at that. Um, I didn't get to have that experience because I saw it in the theater and I was by myself for most of it. And then two more people came in. So <laughs> there were three people in this theater. Um, so I really felt like that was bad. Now, the special effects were interesting. Um, to say they, they were definitely a lot more solid than I think they were presented. But again, 3D for me, it wasn't necessary. It didn't really do much. It was actually a little gimmicky. And one of the things that um, was noted was Kate McKinnon's uh, Jillian Holtzman and her scene with her toys. Well, I thought it was cool in terms of just presentation and style. But again, it glosses over the fact that, hang on, everything you've been doing up to this point has been containment. And now all of a sudden you can just out and out kill them and destroy them. Well, what's the point of that? Um, And so... Again, because of the gloss overs, it you're left after the wow factor. You're just kind of like, but why? So, um, but then again, I think that uh, on the on the flip side of that, I thought Jillian Holtzman was the best character in the whole film. I thought that Kate McKinnon did an excellent job. Uh, she was, for me, the hero of the flick or the heroine of the flick. And she actually brought completely to the table everything that embodied someone who is completely socially inept, but at the same time, somehow a badass. And you, you, you know, you really wanted to like this character and you really wanted to uh just see what was happening next and at the same time you're like holy crap how ridiculous is this um it was almost like tackleberry from the police academy franchise meets egon from ghostbusters um and it's the craziest combination but holy crap did it work um unfortunately that's not enough to save the movie overall um this movie is not terrible but unfortunately it's not really all that great either it could have been at least okay but i really feel that the double standard um in the film hurt it more than it should have so at the end of the day i give this one 2.25 out of five please don't hate me and please don't kill me what do you got there tim bring us home this movie again directed by paul f he did bridesmaids the heat Spy, um, and this movie fits perfectly on the same shelf along with all those other movies. This movie is made specifically for a type of person, 
And the diehard Ghostbusters fan was not that person. Like I was mentioning earlier on in the show uh, about the whole uh, there are uh, there are aspects to the movie that just feels like those who wrote and produced the movie were anti-fanboys and anti-nerds. I don't consider, my, consider myself a nerd or a fanboy, but I, well, I mean, I guess you can call being a fan, being a guy and being a fan of Ghostbusters a Ghostbusters fanboy? I don't know, but I'm not obsessed with Ghostbusters. I grew up watching the movie. I I studied the movie because I just love how it was shot. I love the pacing and the tone of the movie. Funny, but still spooky and creepy. And there's a reason why this movie, or that movie, surprised critics. It surprised audiences all over the world in the 80s. And that was because of how unique it was. It wasn't just like, you know, a, a goofy, raunchy, adult situation comedy. No, this was a movie with real special effects done well. And you can go back to the movie theater over and over again to really soak up what this movie had to offer. And the new movie does nothing like that. Nothing. Other than maybe the opening. I I mean, the opening had hints of the original film, where it takes a while to kind of set up the setting. You have the guy taking the tour around the spooky haunted house. Uh, you know, as he's telling the scary story, something falls over. And, oh my god, it's a ghost. But then you find out, oh no, it's it's a gag that the haunted house does. That the, Yeah, the haunted house does to, to spook people. You know, there's like a special lever under the candlestick that knocks it over. But then all of a sudden, he gets lured, the tour guy gets lured into the basement. And the floorboards start glowing and stuff starts coming up. And he gets attacked by whatever ghost and then the the ghostbusters musical cue kicks in and then the movie takes off and i was okay with that if the movie kind of followed down that path during its character building stage and the story setup stage and improved on it i would have enjoyed the movie more but 25 minutes into the movie that's when things started becoming repetitive there is absolutely no structure to this movie well there's some structure i mean i can't be completely unfair but there's there's not a lot of structure to it they don't show and explain certain things whether it be the gadgets that Holtzman produces or the weapons that they suddenly have and Holtzman had time to actually create all this stuff (laughs) I mean I love Kate McKinnon I appreciate what she brought to the table and I do like her as an actress but her character was way too repetitive and, and annoying after a while. And doesn't really contribute much to the team other than randomly developing these gadgets, which again, happen out of thin air. And happen out of thin air when there's a really dumb... Sh- I don't know if... I, I can't say it's a montage of them shooting the weapons, but these little like training scenarios of them in an alleyway shooting off these guns which happens like three different times. The movie is in a cycle. There's a little bit of story, there's a little bit of character work, and then then it all comes back to how are they going to achieve this? And then they repeat that cycle. Again, a little bit of story, a little bit of character, introduce somebody else, how are they going to achieve this? Then they keep doing that, and when action and suspense happen, it's not good. You know, like the rock concert. 
there's mannequins that come to life and um and really the only person who feels like or looks like they're actually in the moment is patty when she sees the mannequins all the others are just quipping about something and talking about whatever and you know making these jokes over and over again that patty is the only one that's you know that feels like she's a character and responding to the ghosts and creepiness that in the paranormal events that are happening around her and that's what i wanted more the best part of the original ghostbusters and i'm sorry for going back to that one but one of my favorite sequences is the hotel scene uh, sequence when everybody's on a different level and you know a couple of the like bill murray's cocky but dan Aykroyd's a little scared egon scared and there's just enough creepiness to the movie to warrant it being labeled as a horror comedy. Because as a kid, you're watching it, you do get freaked out. I cannot imagine a kid watching Ghostbusters 2016 and being frightened of anything other than the ridiculousness of the movie itself. Um, let's see here. So... There's no structure to how uh, how certain things are explained, like the gadgets and the weapons. I was saying that they suddenly appear in the movie. Uh, the same can be said with the progression of the events. Uh, you know, like for example, they do that cram- uh, that crummy ghost buster or that crummy bo- ghost bust busting scene at a concert, and then all of a sudden they're known. Like, the mayor knows about them. And all of a sudden, they've done something, you know. Uh, uh, they're something, I should say. To where, in the original movie, again, there's at least the montage of them busting ghosts and doing their thing and gaining uh, and uh, gaining that notoriety. In this one, they just bust a ghost at a concert, and that's pretty much it. And all of a sudden, the next thing in the movie has to happen. They never, when it's important and necessary for the movie to take its time, it does not. Because there is so much goddamn talking and specific improvised jokes. Uh, like, I mean, it's like the crotch shots and the, uh, you know, the uh, social worker jokes and, you know, even... Andy Garcia has a stupid uh, Mayor of Jaws joke. Uh, you know, the characters are way too silly to come across remotely believable. I mean, the original had at least goofy characters that actually acted like scientists. And they were actually competent in what they were trying to achieve, story-wise and character-wise. But my only question is, with this tech, this all this technology... Were these women, was Holtzman actually capable of developing the ghost-busting gadgets and guns and all that stuff? Well, nothing really sets her up to be that way. I mean, it's kind of like when when you're told that somebody is smart, do you automatically believe that person is smart or do you have to experience it in a certain way? And that's what I wanted from not just Holtzman, Kate McKinnon's character, but from every character. There's no buildup or tension in the movie. Every uh, visually pleasing shot was taken from the first movie, you know, in the same kickoff uh, tone, the, the same kickoff beat and music from, uh, that's at the beginning of the movie, happens in the old movie as well. Like, you know, another visual, uh, one of the bi- best visual shots from the first movie is when the, the cloud, the ghostly cloud is coming out of that uh, apartment building. 
same exact shot is used in the new movie. And that's what ticks me off. Any any artistic vision was just rehashed and slightly expanded upon. Um, and that's pretty much all I gotta say. Uh, I mean, I didn't like the cameos as much. I thought they were thrown in there. Bill Murray, all he did was just kind of come in and sit down and didn't really say anything funny. And... You know that's you know and and, and yeah uh, the the uh, and I saw the movie in three D as well and the special effects were gimmicky as shit. The movie is shot in one aspect ratio where you have the black bars on the top and on the bottom and the effects just carry over into the black bars. The problem with that is that it's not just the ray guns that are. Uh, bleeding into the black bars but when Patty is smacking the shit out of Melissa McCarthy her head is kind of protruding and is is spilling into the uh, black bars as well so you can see the the you know like where they cut out her head <laughs> to make sure it went into the black bar I don't it just it was gimmicky as fuck uh, and it got old, like the jokes of the movie, and the characters, and the story itself, and the really shitty bad guy. It just got old. And that's pretty much all I gotta say about that. Uh, however, I when, I when the movie wrapped up, I enjoyed it initially. Um, but then as I started thinking more about it, I did not. So what went from a 3, 3.25 has gone down to a 2.75 out of 5. So 2.5 total for the SLS cast. Which at the end of the day means it's just okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means don't don't kill us. We're... <laughs> We're half the loaf. We're taking half, and we're going on our way. There you, <laughs> there you go. All right. So I guess um, what's the plan for next week, dude? Well, next week. So okay. So I really wanted to see Star Trek Beyond and review it with the Knights, since you're not a big Star Trek fan. Uh, but I'm, I'm a just... huge Star Trek fan. Well, I'm not, just not boycotting I'm it right now. Yeah, you're boycotting. <clears throat> but then I found out that Miranda is boycotting them as well, but she still really wants to see it. So I don't know if she wants to see it or not still. <laughs> um, and my plan was to review that movie and then do a Did It Age Well for First Contact because that came out 20 years ago. Uh, in June, I think. I mean, well, it was 20, 20 years to... ago this year. Thanks to the miracle of Tuesday Blu-ray releases, I would like to propose a bit of a compromise in which you, for the sake of actually getting something that actually is current covered, do discuss your thoughts on Star Trek versus, uh, Star Trek Beyond, and I will discuss... The super, the Batman v Superman extended cut, with the extra thirty minutes of footage in the R rating. Sounds good to me. It gives me reason oh. to go back and rewatch it. So, so um, because I, I, yeah, we we actually picked that up today. 
Um, and, and the funny thing is, is that this will be my parents' first viewing experience at all. So I'm going to be actually able to sit there and go, oh, wow, this is what's different and this is what's going on. And, and so I'm very – I'm actually very interested to see how this turns out. Cool. Well, there you go, folks. I think we've just figured it out. I think next week's movies are going to be from Tim, Star Trek Beyond, and possibly Miranda and the Kitty. We don't know. Uh, But also, certainly from Matt and maybe from Tim as well. I hope so. We will be doing the super extended R-rated cut of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. And First Contact for today as well. Yes, he'll do that too. Yes, because I know the cat from Midnight Movie Nights. Apparently, he's head over heels for First Contact. So it is an astounding movie. It's it is of uh, and personally of the next gen movies. It was my favorite. It's the only next gen movie in my book. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, Insurrection wasn't. Well, Insurrection was 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 Insurrection the last one? No, uh, Nemesis. Nemesis was, yeah. Insurrection was okay. Insurrection wasn't terrible, but First Contact was definitely my favorite of the of the next generation ones. So sweet. I think we have some form or fashion of a spiel to do. Spiel on. All right. Well, the music you're listening to for our intros and segments and all that wonderful stuff has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can also send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me. This is Matt on Twitter at Nitwit12345. You can climb aboard that information superhighway and track down him on twitter if that's your heart's desire and of course you can always subscribe to us on itunes and our favorite us on stitcher radio once again we want to make sure and give a special thanks and shout out to miranda janelle and that fracking cat who are of course the midnight movie nights and you can find them at midnightmovienights.com at movie nights pod on twitter and anywhere that you can find anything on podcasting you can find them there And uh, I think that's going to do it because there's no quote from Matt this week. So take care, everybody, and we'll see you again soon. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>